are listening to Anchored in Love podcast, a part of a dream birthed during a season of great personal change, challenge, and circumstance. Anchored in Love was encouraged by my husband, motivated by my mama, and set to serve any willing to listen. Through sharing personal walks of endurance and perseverance, my prayer is that this can become home to anyone who is seeking healing, extended from the hearts of those who are currently experiencing it. part is that I'm not all torn up for her sake, but for my own. I'm afraid we won't ever be good again, and I don't have time to even repair or even build that relationship. And how selfish is that of me to think? Just hours before I spoke those words, my mom and dad had called for a family meeting. Just a tip for any of you out there who have family meetings or something like them, Have them for good things too, because before this infamous one, family meetings were rarely called in the Owsley household, but we knew if they were, it wasn't going to be a joyful occasion. So there I sat, summoned for the family meeting, on the love seat with Jeremy, my fiancé at the time. He was holding my leg while I kept my hands in fists, and with every weighted word from my parents' mouth, I squeezed my fist tighter and tighter to where I could feel my nails pressing against my palm, because though I know it to be false, I still feel so weak when I cry and emote, and somehow feeling the pulsating sharpness in my fist helped keep my tears at bay. I started the family meeting being able to make eye contact with my parents, But after the, the doctors say it's not good, I gave Jeremy a quick glance over my shoulder and to my right, and then my head followed my gut as both began to sink, and my gaze was then limited to the shoes I had on that day. I won't go into detail about what all was shared. The meeting, after all, was a family affair. I don't want to get into more details, as it's not just my story to tell. And I never want to assume that my feelings and thoughts are the same as my brother's, each one of us different and in different relationship with our mom. In many ways, I still think that their hurt must be much deeper than mine. I love you, brothers. And my dad, I can't even imagine the steps my dad has taken in this walk. I love you, dad. Though I may not share the meaning notes with you, so to speak, I will never forget all of my family in that room, much like a discussion we had years later in a hospital family room as we discussed options for palliative care. Still, while I have had such vivid memories of that meeting, I can't remember the hours between that and Bible study, where I uttered such a selfish admission. Like, nothing at all. I can't remember any of it. I'm glad I made it there safely, I suppose, because I don't even remember the drive there. Next thing I know, there I am. And if I'm honest with you, that's really the last place I wanted to be, in front of a group of God-fearing, praying women, trying to encourage me with the promises and truths of the Lord. After news like that, I didn't want to be there. Even today, I'm not sure where I wanted to be, but I can tell you it wasn't there. It's funny how we want to run from what it is we know we need sometimes, huh? i say it again. It's funny how we want to run from what it is that we know we need sometimes. 
Fortunately for me in that situation, I didn't run from, but rather I fell into. I fell into routine, and thank God that Bible study was part of my routine. I really think I owe that to my parents and my Nana, who I know never ceases to pray for each of us kids in our faith walks. Thanks, Nana. I don't really remember what Bible study was about that night. Maybe something about abiding in the Lord? I don't think I participated in the readings or the video. I know I sure didn't in the conversation, at least not till the very end. But I do remember that in the middle of the Bible study, I texted my mom to see if it was okay if I shared the news with the ladies, even though just mere hours ago, she requested that we keep it in the family for now. But still, she responded, sure, whatever you need. Even when facing her biggest challenge to date, she put my needs before her own, something that I think no mother ceases to do. So there I remained on my pastor's floor, knees to my chest and head down staring at my feet, admitting my selfish thoughts, guilt for not being the perfect daughter, and feeling oh so small for my lack of faith as I had already assumed that her diagnosis meant soon death. Wow. Gulp. (laughs) Even now I feel small, but now it's for a whole other reason. You see, when I shared with Bible study the fear of a broken relationship being the end of my relationship with my mom altogether, that was the first step in mending it. And I'm just so thankful to have been part of a community that reminded me of exactly that. Thank you, Christy, Donna, Shelley, Barb, and Kelly. You will never know the impact that you've had. I left that night still not fully let's be real, not even partially aware of what I was feeling or thinking. But from that day on, I knew I had to be intentional. With every prayer for healing came my pleading for restoration in our relationship. With every phone call or absurd butt dial with a two minute long voicemail, I would be intentional and take a breath before to make sure that I was ready to be kind and understanding. Don't be misled. Our relationship wasn't hostile before. It wasn't toxic. It was simply lacking. Lacking an understanding of who the other is. Lacking time spent together to get to know who they are. And lacking a desire to know more. I think some of you will understand when I say, we all want that Gilmore Girl relationship with our moms. And I did have one. I just had the Lorelai and Emily one for a while. So I became intentional, and slowly improvements were made. I'm not saying that I fixed it, because I know better than that. I actually credit it all to him, the Lord, and his timing. Looking back on the past five years of my life, the surprises, the challenges, I look back, and without a doubt, I see him and his timing. Months after that mentioned family meeting, I was married. And married life brought necessary phone calls to mom to save myself embarrassment from my new husband like, okay, mom, I have the chicken in the baking sheet. Now what? (laughs) Or how often should I go grocery shopping to make this stick? Or the real adulting things like, mom, okay, I know I went to this person, but who should be my dentist now? Question mark. Um, Naturally, we became closer because of life's changes, his timing. 
Then, six months into marriage, I sat across from my parents at breakfast, where Dad had already called it. I have to give him credit. I guess I didn't invite them out enough with us, so when I did, they knew something was up. And we were pregnant. Mom said she didn't believe Dad's suspicions, because she knew that wasn't my plan, and I'm stubborn enough to stick to my plans. We were going to wait a couple years. Again, his timing. Her only girl was pregnant, and that ushered in a whole new level of needed phone calls and texts. Where do I buy maternity clothes, Mom? Um, should my pelvis hurt like this? So when does milk actually come in? And of course, her endless supply of recommendations, let's call them. Every mother everywhere thinks that they have advice for you when you're pregnant. And now being on the other side, I do get it. But just a small note, sometimes it's nice to only get advice only when you ask for it. (laughs) Still, slowly our relationship was mending. Recommendations and all. Really, it wasn't mending as much as it was taking on new shape. I always heard my mom joke with her friends or say the stories. She would say, oh, Lauren used to be so attached with me. I would tell her the umbilical cord got cut years ago, honey. Raise your hand if you heard her say that story. (laughs) Or there was always the not, not as sweet... What happened to you, Lauren? You used to like me. I don't know what happened. That's what she would give me when I didn't want to tell her who I was texting. Or when the only response I gave about how my day was, was fine. I have to believe that I'm not the only girl out there that went through all that. But even still, I would eye roll at her in response and walk to my room. And I know that the, well, mom, I'm glad you remember that because I sure don't. I know that didn't help anything. And today, I am very thankful to have boys because Silas is enough like me now. I don't know what I would do if I had a girl, and I don't think I could handle a true mini-me. I was ignorant, but I was also young. And as I matured and life began to change, so did our relationship. With time and intentionality, our relationship began to change. Then November 2016 came. Happy November, by the way. And November brought Silas. I knew I was going to be a mom. Like, I assumed, yeah, that's one of those things that will happen. But down the road, never did I imagine that three years into marriage and at age 26, I would have a two-year-old and two kids. All his timing, I suppose. But I wouldn't change it for the world. I'm so thankful that Silas got to know his nan. I just have to breathe there because I am. I'm just so thankful that he got to know his nan. I'm so thankful that I had my mom there with me for the birth of my first son. Because if she hadn't been there for Silas, I truly don't think I could have done it the second time around. There it was, November 12th. I was admitted to the hospital due to high blood pressure. Within the hour, my mom was there. They broke my water, and I was induced. I had, I had a blood pressure cuff. Oh, this blood pressure cuff. It was on my arm, and it had to go off every 10 minutes to continually monitor. The stupid thing gave me a bruise. It happened so frequently and so strong. Through it all, my mom was there. She gently acknowledged my pain, and she was just present. I laughed talking to Jeremy about this just seconds ago because I laughed, and I said, Honestly, I'm still surprised to this day how much she did not annoy me in that delivery room. (laughs) 
It's because she knew me. I'm just so appreciative. (laughs) Saving you the extensive labor details, I want to share three things of my labor experience. I got a shower after they broke my water, and my mom knew that I hated my hair air-dried, as vain as it may sound. So as soon as I came out and sat back out, sat back out on the bed. So as soon as I came out and sat back on the bed, she grabbed her brush mid-conversation with Jeremy and I and came over and began to simply brush my hair. Then braiding it. So as she said, it wouldn't be in my face and I would still look cute. She knew me. Night came and still no Silas. Jeremy and I both growing tired. With every yawn from Jeremy, Mom would insist that he rest, telling him to lay down and sleep. In response, we would tell her that she too needs to rest, and we encouraged her to go home for a little bit so that way she could at least be comfortable. Because until now, all she had done was stand or sit in the very hard chair in the corner. When we finally caved and said we were all going to try and sleep, she took the back cushions off the couch and slept on them on the floor. Of a labor and delivery room. Get this. She slept on the floor of a labor and delivery room. For me. She spent time with me. With my blood pressure still high and contractions coming too closely together, my midwife entered the room and told me it looks like we're going to have to do a C-section. The one thing that I dreaded. I did not want to have a C-section. But my only birth plan was a healthy baby and a healthy me. And now this seemed to be the only option. I remember crying, and I just remember holding Jeremy's hand as the midwife told us about it. Finally, I was able to muster up the strength and ask, Okay, when? And she simply responded, The nurse is here to get you ready, and Dad will have you back in the operation room with her. She'll be back there in about 15 minutes. 15 minutes. What? I was so scared. I was so ill-prepared. I just cried. Jeremy kissed me and encouraged me. He was the picture-perfect husband and dad-to-be. My mom simply came. She kissed me on the head, looked down at me and said, You got this. You're my anchor. It's gonna be okay. And you are going to be a great mommy to Silas. She desired to know more of me. She wanted to know me as a mom. She had confidence in me as a mom. Other family members quickly came in to grant their well wishes, and my dad held my hand and prayed with everyone in the room for a successful surgery and a healthy mom and baby at the end. Soon thereafter, we all met Silas James, the most beautiful baby I have ever seen. I prayed for that because I'm sorry, but there is such a thing as an ugly baby. (laughs) Um, But that was a monumental in the restoration of our relationship. Me becoming a mother and her being there when it happened. The relationship that was once simply lacking Lacking an understanding of who the other is, she knew me. Lacking time spent together, we spent time with one another. Sacrificed time for one another. In lacking a desire to know more, we grew a desire. 
and oh, how I still want to know more. With intentionality and through his timing, our relationship was restored. Another thing about Lauren, I always called her my anchor. She held things together, whether it was Bible quiz, you could count on her to pull it out, whether it was life, dance, soccer, school. She's an anchor. She's strong. And she's an anchor. God made her an anchor for everybody. And I know it's hard, but you can be that anchor even after I'm gone. And I know that it's hard because you're going to miss me. But I need you to persevere and be that anchor. And it's a lot to ask. But I know that you can do it. You've got it in you. And I've always called you that, told you that, and that's what you are. And I love you for that. I'm going to miss you so much. My, my girl. My one and only girl. <laughs>